Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. So the transfer window closes and what a mad one it's been. Easy to suggest it was the wildest we've ever seen. Grizzy back in red and white, Tammy off to Rome and the world went mad when CR7 and Lukaku came home. Messi off to PSG in floods of tears in which you drown as Barcelona's finances stressed for years came crashing down. The Kane to City saga ended with Harry staying at the Spurs as Pep brought in Super Jack to ensure his City purrs the first 100 million British signing pressure to deliver as Tommy Tactics boys in blue come raiding from the river. Arsenal spent the largest to overhaul their heart, but you might not have guessed it from their abhorrent start. Luke de Jong to Barca in the weirdest late mover, while PSG picked up talent like a mad free agent Hoover. And then Poch got his fullbacks that let his sides take flight. Hakimi and Nuno Menge, the Paris futures bright. In France, there was an awakening though, and Nice turned up to play. Stay to Debo Cliver. Christophe Cartier's here to stay. Marseille back San Paoli all the way into the hill. The maddest side in football fancy themselves a title till. Real pushed for Mbappe, but NASA wasn't selling. If that'll cost them dear next year, time will be telling. But they picked up Camavinga, one for the future and one for now, while across the Classico, things unraveled like a circus come to town. Will La Masia save Barcelona? No one yet can say, but we have hope that Kerman will trust the youth. Let Ricky and Gavi play. Atleti played it beautifully, giving Simeone what he craves, but underdogs no longer. How will they deal with being faves? Not the same for Inter, who lost their favourites mantle as last year's coach and squad, well, got dismantled. But replacing on a budget, they've replaced as best they could. And in Correa and Edin Dzeko, they've got goals to the good. Jose's Roma are charging while Juventus started slow. But once Allegri gets them firing, we know they're good to go. In Germany, it was all changed. But in the manager's seats, the merry-go-round span on like musical chairs to the beats. Bayern picked up a coach, the skipper and a star from their nearest rivals last year. So they're against the bar. Leipzig and Dortmund hit back with good signings of their own. But you'd be a brave soul to bet against that title staying home. A few weeks in, a window done. It's time to look for sure at how we think it'll all play out. Now we know a little more. This is Ranks FC's 5x5, five five, where we make our final calls on how these leagues will look when the final curtain falls. Engines ready, research done, lights out, and off we go. Sit back, get a drink, and settle in. We hope you enjoy the show. This is Ranks FC. My name is Jack Collins. I will be your host today. And joining me, as ever, is the rank officer, Sam Ty. Woo! That was sensational. Absolutely sensational. You look out of breath. I am out of breath, but we keep going. Thank you, my friend. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. How many times did you practice that before we recorded? I will give you an, a flat naught. Um, naught? That was, uh, that was the first time I've ever read that poem out loud. So, wow. Um, and it good. was actually one take for once. Well done. You say that quite a lot now, which makes me feel like it's maybe not always, it's usually one take. Like, you know, you're often like, oh, for once it was actually one take. You said that on the last four poems. So I feel like I feel like actually no, though, because you still tend to redo them afterwards. Yeah, you nah. do. You, 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 you do. Scurry, you, you scurry do. back off into your hole and redo like one line. It's like how you stumbled there. over Roma just then. I bet you redo that. No, I did have a think about it. <laughs> it's marked. It's marked. We'll see stop how we go. Him, let's stop giving him a hard time. It was a wonderful poem. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful wrap-up of the summer. And, and he's got a new football shirt on, look. You always he's got a new one. shirt. 
Yeah, it's the Ajax. It's the Ajax uh, red, white, and green. Hey, You've red, yellow, and green. It's, it's it's a beauty. Did it's it just arrive? Beauty. It arrived yesterday. I'm delighted by it. Yeah. It's, um, this is great news. Great news for everybody. So yeah. we're uh, we're having a good time. Um, boys, this is the start of uh, what we hope will become a ranks tradition, a ranks staple. It's called Five by Five, and basically, now that we've had the transfer window shut, now that we've had a couple of games in the season, and we feel like we're a little bit more. I know, oh fair with, with what's going on with all of these teams. It's hard, it's easy to make predictions and we do a lot of, you know, preview shows where we look at the leagues and we try and do our best to see, you know, kind of on paper how things are going to play out. But until you really get into this, the, the kind of meat and bones of the season, it's very difficult to see exactly what's going on. So I think this is a nice time. International break, the windows are shut, as we say, all the squads are settled. We have a point now where we can look at this and try to really like hone in on what we think the productions, the predictions are going to be for the rest of this season. I think importantly, what we're going to do is try and pick the top five teams in each of the top five leagues in Europe. Now, I know that currently, and I'm going to caveat this, that Portugal are above France in these leagues. But I do think that just for interest's sake at the moment, we're going to have to stick with France. We have plenty of love for the Primeira. And any of you who are patrons, our ultras, will know that we talk about the Primeira quite a lot on there because I, for one, I'm a huge fan of what's going on in Portugal. But I think for this episode, we're going to stick to France because it means, well, one, we can talk about Lionel Messi, but two, we can talk about, you know, the the rest of these teams. Nice, Marseille had some wonderful windows that we're, you know, very excited about and looking at looking forward to watching. So it gives us the opportunity to discuss those as well. But Sam, you were saying you think this is maybe the best and, and the only time you really can make predictions about these leagues. I hope that everybody else follows suit here. And, you know, that we set a staple here. We we draw a line in the sand and we're able to say, look, this is the appropriate time to make predictions because Making predictions with like three weeks left in a transfer window is it's a it's a silly thing to do, isn't it? Really, it's a bit of a fool's errand. You never really know what's going to happen. And look, we've already talked about in previous episodes how we think the Premier League is going to play out, how we think the Serie A top four is going to play out. And then three weeks of transfers happen, and you start to change your mind a little bit. So this is the perfect time for me, in my opinion, to lock this in. So this is good, and uh, I'd encourage everybody that listens to send yours in too. So obviously have a listen to what we have to say, but our top five in each of the top five leagues, send them into us on social and DMs, whatever it is on Twitter, share them. And uh, obviously we can, we can make it a bit of a competition. It can become a bit of a tradition, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. And and with that, I think it's probably just best to get into it, get stuck in. There's a lot of a lot of chat to be had here around each of these leagues. So should we, let's get into it and we'll start with the Premier League. Um, and Sam, I'm going to ask you to give me your five to one to begin with, uh, in the words of Jim Morrison of The Doors. <laughs> okay. Uh, obscure reference for the episode tick. Um, five to one. Okay, so in number five, I'm going to put Tottenham. Uh, I think that in my preseason list, I think I had Leicester locked into this spot, but Spurs is good start to the season. The harmonious start that Nuno has managed to foster and Harry Kane, right? I think we were under the impression three weeks ago that Harry Kane would probably end up at City. He didn't. He's ended up at Spurs. And so this is a bit of a game changer. So Spurs in at five. And then my top four remains what it was three weeks ago. Manchester United in four, Liverpool in three. Chelsea in two and City at number one. I really struggled to split City and Chelsea, but I went for City top before and I don't see a reason to change. Okay, DJ, what have you got? Oh, it's similar, obviously. Five is Tottenham, four is Liverpool, three is Man United, two is Man City and the champions are Chelsea. 
Interesting. I've gone similar to you at the top, but I'll start five with West Ham, who I think have been excellent Woo! and I enjoy, and I'm going to continue enjoying watching. Uh, at four, I've got United. At three, I've got Liverpool. At two, I have City. And at one, I also have Chelsea Dean. So I have switched those over. I think the addition of Romelu Lukaku, Sam, is what's, uh, what's flipped those for me. And I know we said we we discuss it. And, and the fact that, you know, you said that you put City at the top and you haven't seen a reason to change. Romelu Lukaku is the reason I have changed that. I think that is the game-changing signing in that regard. I, th- I think Lukaku would sign, but I made my initial He had, he had not. He, well, he, was, think, he might have been close, but he yeah, had not well, signed. I think I knew it was happening and I still didn't I still didn't fancy it. I distinctly remember thinking that it doesn't, doesn't matter. City, because we, 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 compared, we compared them to City, who then didn't sign the number nine. But I'm, I'm a big believer in Ferran and also just a big believer in the City machine, not necessarily needing a striker. So obviously not saying Lukaku isn't an exceptional purchase for Chelsea. He is exceptional footballer. Um, but I'll go for City. Also, it's nice to be different, you know? Nice to yeah, be different. Yeah, so I appreciate it. I mean, Dean, I think maybe the, the one that you've gone different to both of us on here is that you've put United above Liverpool. Is this their recent signings doing the business here? Or is this well, we were always felt? It's logic. It's logic because um, the United were already better than Liverpool last season and United have got stronger and Liverpool haven't. And they're going to lose Sadio Mane and Mo Salah for a month, potentially, of the season. Man United have just signed Cristiano Ronaldo, Jadon Sancho and Rafael Varane. Um, and I feel like quite often you two, I don't say disrespect Man United, but you worry so much about defensive midfield that I think that, that it affects your overall picture of how good Man United can be in actually producing results. I don't think they're going to be the best team to watch throughout the season I think they'll produce some brilliant performances but overall there'll be games where they just churn it out um I guess like we saw against Wolves like there'll be games like that that happen um but I think they'll get over the line now and I think that that Ronaldo factor is huge I think that that is the difference for them in terms of winning games that they weren't winning before um I'll be honest with you I I think United's I think the biggest change is that I expect United to win a trophy this season. I think that's where the, the biggest facts will come in with Ronaldo. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. And yeah, I think United ahead of Liverpool for me, especially as I say, because I know that Salah and Mane are going to be gone for a bit. And I don't see at the moment who's going to replace them. Kylie Gordon. Reliably. <laughs> Harvey Elliott. <laughs> reliably. Um, the kids. Yeah, I've got. I've just got to go with my. I just got to give United the the nod over him. To be no, honest, no, I think I think it's a perfectly reasonable argument. I think it, it, is, it yeah. is fair. I, I, my my caveat would be that I think the United were better than Liverpool last year, but that was a Liverpool who were missing you know three, four key players at, at any given time. I think those players will return, and I think you've got about it. Base it on the fact that you don't think they're going to go and spend have have an injury crisis of the same magnitude as they had last season. That's mm. that's my thinking in that regard. I guess if it it's does though, the worry is still there. Like if it does happen again, they haven't brought in the depth that they needed to replace them if it does happen again i think that's but any that's any, still any team for me. any team would would collapse with the injury crisis that liverpool had because all their injuries came in the same position at center back it, there's not there's not a team in this list that can withstand what liverpool withstood so you have to hope that none of them get it look i am worried about united's midfield i always am we don't need to go over that old ground but my worries are threefold mate and you know that too i worry about right back defensive midfielder and the manager who is so far off the level that the other three set in Pep and Tuchel and Klopp. He's so far off it that that to me is the clear distinction between those sides. 
I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference um, that it's going to cost United a place in the top three. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see, Dino. All right, I'm into this. All right, we're uh, we're away. We're away. We've uh, we, we've begun. I, I mean, I've I've stuck West Ham in there at five. Um, oh yeah, we did like that. Do you know why I didn't? It's like they've got to play a European campaign. No, it wasn't so really that. It's more like there's so much on Mikel Antonio's shoulders here. It's like what? Like, and he's now playing for pointless games for Jamaica in the middle of the season as well. Like, I, I respect his I respect his decision to play for them and try to get to World Cup, but it is not going to happen. <laughs> then it, they've just lost three 0 to Panama. He's having a ten thousand mile round trip ahead of a a weekend in which West Ham are looking to build momentum and I have West Ham fans are like oh do you really have to be doing this you could have had a nice little break building up to Southampton and uh, we could definitely got three points actually what I've heard what I a like? few people say is what's also annoying is that Southgate never actually just gave Antonio a call up because he would be in the England squad now probably would have started instead of Patrick Bamford actually in the last few days yeah no it is a fair point what I like and my kind of cav- kind of guesswork caveat to that is I obviously don't assume that any striker can play every single game in the whole season it's a it's a big long season and there's lots of competitions here for West Ham and they don't have that much depth up there but I do like Jared Bowen as a nine I do like Jared Bowen as a nine and I think he's the exact sh- like mold of player that will fit that Moyes system and look he's not as good as Mikel Antonio very few players are so it's not you know it's not saying he's going to slot in there and score the same amount of goals but those off the shoulder runs the ability to get in behind the fact that he will look to to basically play out the same system in a way that I think we've seen with West Ham you know that it hasn't worked them try and change it up we saw Seb Allaire go in there and just didn't really ever click we saw We've seen lots of players come in uh, in this kind of number nine role and just not really work when Mikel Antonio is just so good at, at running that shoulder, running that channel, being able to hold up. I just think that Jared Bowen will be able to slot in there quite nicely this season. And I think that that's what he's going to be used primarily as, this kind of nine rotator. And that ex- makes me excited. And I think that that is what's going to carry West Ham through this season for me. Um, I think that is a, a really nice little pickup that we'll see much more of later on in the year. Yeah. Very good side, extremely talented in certain areas, but that that depth just it just keeps them out of the conversation for me. I think Spurs are a, a much safer bet there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, safe bets are really my uh, my my go to, as you'll see for the rest of this list. I'm sure across the rest of these. Uh, um, and with that, shall we go to Spain? Shall we go to Spain, Sam? We'll, we'll just go start with you again. All right, five to one. Uh, number five, I've gone for Real Sociedad. Mm-hmm. Uh, who managed to keep Alexander Isak. And we've got another season of David Silva. Now, there's a little pack there, which I'm very excited to see how biased Jack has been when he picks his number five. But it's an interesting one. But I'd give uh, Real Sociedad the edge there. I've gone for Barcelona in fourth. I'm very, very worried about the exit of Griezmann at the last and obviously the entrance of Luke de Jong and where that leaves them, cutting edge-wise. And I already had the massive concerns about the centre-backs. I've gone for Sevilla in third. Real Madrid in second and Atletico Madrid to retain the title at number one. Okie dokie. Dean, on to you. Okay, so mine is in fifth, we've got Athletic Club. Purely biased because they're New Balance. Um, (laughs) Fourth. (laughs) This is worse than Jack. In fourth, we've got Sevilla because they always finish fourth. Then we go on to uh, Barcelona who... 
they've still got enough to finish in the top three. I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. And Ansu Fatty coming back, you know, on that, that number 10 shirt, like that could do a lot for them. So, yep, yeah, still got faith in Barcelona getting top three. And then it's the Madrid shootout for top spot. And yeah, the addition of Griezmann, they were already favourites, Atletico Madrid, to win the league this season. And now, as we said on Patreon the other day, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. And, and they should, to be honest, beat Real Madrid to this title. Okay. Um, that's a change for you. That's a big change because you you you've gone Real earlier in this, which is a, a shift. I've gone Valencia at five because why Jeez. not? Because why uh, not? Okay, vibes, why just not? vibes, just vibes. Sevilla at four, Barcelona at three, Real at two, and Atleti at one. That's a double drop from me for Barcelona, who I had as title winners. Um, I literally had Barcelona as title winners the day before deadline day, and then. Suddenly, suddenly they swapped Griezmann for Luke de Jong and they've dropped two places immediately in, in the table here for me. It's just, I was so excited. I was really, really excited about the kind of prospect of this Griezmann-Depay pivot up top, just being able to dovetail off each other, being able to move with each other, allow Ansu Fati the time to recover properly before he got put back into the side, give that Braithwaite that kind of exceptionalism that he's allowed to do on that left and, and just be able to run the shoulder and do what he does best without having to worry too much. And then suddenly it's just all gone. And I am just so upset by basically everything that's happened at Barcelona in the last couple of days. And I've dropped them two places. But yeah, Valencia at five is the call. They've started really well. And they don't have European competition, which is where I think I have given them the edge on pretty much everybody else. Um, I, I think Bordelas will make this side incredibly hard to beat. He will make them abrasive. He will make them difficult to play against. They signed Helder Costa on loan from Leeds, which I really like. I think it's a really good pickup. I think he'll have a, a really, really good season in La Liga. Him on one side, Gonzalo Guedes on the other, Maxi, Maxi Gomez through the middle is... I think a very, very good front three. Um, and then Carlos Soler pulling the strings. Jose Gaia is still there. There's some, you know, it's a really smart kind of business going on. There's some odd things. Guillemon's basically playing as a defensive midfielder, which is very bored last, just playing a centre back at six um, and, and just letting him drop in pretty much all the time to make a, a back three. Um, Omar Alderete joined, who I like. And and then obviously there's there's the old guard in, in Diakabi and, and, and all the players around him. Daniel Vass, good players, all of them. And I think Bordelas will make this Valencia side incredibly hard to beat. I think they'll just grind their way to fifth. Um, so that's what my that's my logic there. I hope it doesn't happen purely because any borderless side I think is quite difficult to watch. And this must sort of kill you to a point here, like sort of pimping this up a little bit because it's not if they do this, it's not going to be fun. Like no, it's, it's, not. it's not it's not something to be tuning in for every week. Borderless, who was the you know used to manage Hetafe and managed to managed to get Hetafe punching well above their weight based on some pretty abrasive football, a lot of yellow cards, a lot of crunching tackles, but effective football nonetheless. You can't take that away from them. Give that to a Valencia squad that are clearly much more talented. And yeah, they started really well as well, haven't they? Seven points from nine. So it's uh, once you said it, I thought, what the hell? But thinking about it a little bit more makes a bit more sense. But yeah, I, I like what not. they've done. I like what they've I done in the market. I like what they've done in the market, and I think that Bordelas tends to have sides punching a wee bit above where they actually stand in the table. Mm. I think probably this Valencia squad is sixth or seventh. So to to then go and and look at it in that in that regard, I think they must, especially with the lack of European games. I think everyone else is going to be quite intrigued by. You know, I think mm. everyone else is going to be quite. 
honing in on. I know we're speaking, you know, we spoke about Betis just at the start there. And I think that there will be a big push for Betis to try and do something in Europe this year as opposed to domestically. I think that's a that's a feeling around it. It'd be it'd be a really interesting one to try and kind of throw all the all the kind of money in the bank at the at, at the European experiment. A little bit like Villarreal did last year, right? You know, at the end of the season, they kind of just went, well, we could try and win this competition instead of like worrying about where we're going to finish in the league. And I, I have a funny feeling that there's something similar might happen with, mm. with, with a couple of these sides who are, are in the Europa League slash Europa Conference League and that might tick along. Well, Dean and I are falling on the uh, two sides of the Basque divide for this one, for fifth. Nice, nice. Yeah, Dean, I think yeah. that is a, is a call. As I said, there's not a lot of logic to it, really. It's just pure um, New Balance biased. Um, and nobody's. <laughs> you've both had a complete guess as who's coming fifth anyway, so so have I. Of course, yeah, that's that's the name of the game here. Real Sociedad yeah. is, is a bit of a guess. I mean, I like Valencia's a better guess because they are already third in the league, so you're, Jack's already got a <laughs> decent position there. I mean, Athletic Club are ninth, so not terrible. They're unbeaten. Um, they're a good Dude, team. stop looking at the table. <laughs> Stop Why? looking at the table. <laughs> three games Why? in, and, and La Liga's barely started yet. I like your Saucy Dead like shout, Sam. I like no, your shout. None of them are playing properly yet. None of them are. None of them have even. No one's found their gears yet, except maybe Valencia. <laughs> except Valencia, who have <laughs> careered out of the blocks. Yeah. Um, I was having a great time, but yeah, no, yeah. you're right. I mean, and Betis have really not hit any sort of any sort of stride yet. I think we're just seeing teams start to to come together. But yeah, I'm, I think it's interesting. I like I like your Real chance. I think that's probably a very safe bet. I just question is where you know where they focus their energies because obviously we've seen them win a, win silverware last year. Um, and now is it a question of trying to close that gap to Sevilla or is it a question of trying to push on and, uh, and, and challenge in, in, in more competitions, in, in more domestic trophies, in Europe, in all of those things? Is this, is this where you go from it? And is that how you, I don't know, placate a fan base more than trying to push up the league? You know, what's the difference between sixth and fifth is, is not huge in terms of what it actually brings you in terms of European competition. But it would be huge if you went and won or got to the semi-finals even of, of a cup or of a European competition in, in that regard. That's a slightly different kind of way to look at it, I suppose. Jack, did you have Barca in third? I did have Barcelona in third. Um, and I was the only one that went down to four for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, I know, I know that you, we, we're all quite cold on Barcelona, but that seems like a, a big drop. Now, I know Sevilla weren't miles off last year and they have strengthened, but this is still a Barcelona side, much as I'm upset with them, that are very, very talented and still is the best midfield in the league. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they weren't miles off last time around. Sevilla were still technically in a title hunt with four games to go. They managed to hang on in there and they are one of those teams that, that does tend to to grind out results in a really efficient manner. And they are very physical when they have to be. They're very solid when they have to be. They're, they're pretty reliable outfit, really. And they didn't really like, well, they didn't lose any players, did they? They ended up keeping Jules Kunde, who is one of the best centre-backs in La Liga. That's great for them. Um, contrastingly, Barcelona lost Griezmann and Messi. Uh, yeah. And... They also have, you know, some some issues um, that's hang, that are hanging over the club. They've hung Mariba out to dry over the course of the summer. Kerman's under pressure. There's not a lot of faith in him. I look at two very different scenarios here, and it, for me, it's kind of easy to to pick the the much more settled and, and glowing and rosy scenario in Sevilla here, who were not far off last season anyway, and just think, well, carry on going as you are. In fact, achieve the exact same as you did last season, and it's quite possible that you just finish above Barca anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the point I think I have with this is that I know we've just said that the, no one's really kicked into gear yet, but Sevilla have been incredibly unconvincing um, in the games I've watched. They've been relying on last-minute Eric Lamella goals, which is not something you can rely on for an entire season as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, mean, I suppose they have lost Luke de Jong, mate. That's who they've lost. So uh, there's also a weakening, weakening arrival. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Sevilla's third-choice striker has gone to Barca. Yeah. Um, oh, no. So there's that. I, mean, I like what Sevilla have done in the market. It pains me to say it as usual, but mm. obviously I think Rafa Mir is a really, really good pickup. I think that he's going to be an excellent rotator. I think they've got enough depth in the squad to, to fight on a couple of fronts. Um, I just think, I genuinely, this is the reason I put Barcelona above them. I think Barcelona are going to get knocked out in the group stages of, of the Champions League. And therefore, I think we'll be able to focus their energies on La Liga and we'll probably just about have enough in the tank to get over the line in third. Um, that's where I'm at on it. Fair enough. I think whichever way it goes, these two teams will finish within four points of each other. Yeah, uh, and we'll just, we'll just see how the margins fall. Okay. All right. And with that, we should move to Italy, I think. Sam, what you got for me? Okay. Number five, Lazio. Number four, Milan. Dropping down from two to three from our preseason predictions is Atalanta. I've been um, politely reminded by someone that Atalanta always finish third. Um, <laughs> that's their thing. So, well, yeah, why, why go against history? Dean picked Severe in fourth for the same reason. Sounds like good logic to me. Um, mm. Inter, Inter bumping up to second place. The big difference here, well, they when we started talking about this, I initially had Inter in fourth, you know, three weeks ago. I was very worried. I was worried for a couple of reasons. Uh, I didn't see Dzeko as, as, the, as the absolute replacement for Lukaku. I thought it was a good pickup, but it doesn't quite get there. Well, Joaquin Correa and Dzeko is a damn good job of replacing him. And they lost no more players. And we weren't quite sure at that point how this was going to spiral, how many more would leave, where they would be left in the financial crisis. And and actually, the bleeding stopped, didn't it, at the end? So I'm going to pop into back into second. And I'm still going to back Juventus for the title, despite one point from their opening possible six. Still going for it. Allegri power, baby. Fair enough. Dean? Uh, Fifth, Roma. Fourth, AC Milan. Third, Lazio. Second, Inter Milan. First, Juventus. You think Atalanta are not going to finish in the top five? Mm. Yeah. That's a big call. Um, yeah, it's not really based on much. It's just a prediction after a couple of games. But it's not as big as my calls. Fifth, Milan. Fourth, Atalanta. Third, Inter. Second, Juve. Top of the pile. Jose Mourinho's AS Roma. Oh, my <laughs> Here we goodness. go. What is Here we go. Here's the shout. Here's the big call. You don't I think Roma are winning the league. That. I think Roma are winning the league. That, I do believe that. I fully believe that Roma are winning the league. Um, I have decided that they are excellent and I think they're going to win the league. <laughs> we've we've allowed this to happen, Dean. This is our fault. I had them fourth. I got, I got excited and then the, I've watched them loads. I've basically just really enjoyed them and I've decided they're winning the league. That's we as far have, as it goes. When he said fourth, we should have called an intervention. Yeah, and we've I mean, we've allowed this to, we've allowed this to spiral. It's I'm blaming us. I'm put, I'm taking this as, uh, on our own conscience. Roma abs- winning the league. Yeah, Jack yeah the Collins. last game that you say what you've seen so far. Well, the last team they played against, I had never heard of. <laughs> Salernitana. Tell me yeah, about. Yeah, just signed Frank Ribery. How about yeah, that? Yeah. Just signed Frank Ribery. <laughs> so beating them four 0 I'm sorry, but I'm not reading anything into that. And they beat Fiorentina and everyone got sent off in that game anyway, didn't they? Like from what I saw. So Yeah, I'm just I just think they're great. I'm just 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 No, don't get me it. wrong, like I like watching them. 
so far. And I Tammy Abraham is going to score 25 plus and Roma are going to win the league. Here's the thing. I saw the reason I think Juve, gonna, I wasn't going to have Juve down to win the league. I was going to say Inter managed to hold on. And then I remember they signed Moise King. Mm. And I was like, that's actually, I haven't read a lot about this and people haven't seen a lot of talk about it, probably because I don't live in Italy. But that is a really, really good signing to replace Ronaldo. And you talk about homecomings and stuff, and this is probably as significant, really, as Lukaku going back to Chelsea. Like, it's it's different, obviously, but, like, he didn't, re- he didn't want to leave Juve first time around. It was purely a financial thing and a way for Juve to get some money in. Um, it hasn't worked out very well for him, and I feel kind of sorry for him the way he's been used the last couple of years. And I feel that, like, all the reasons Lukaku has built up inside him to do well now going back to Chelsea, I kind of feel like in the last couple of years, King's probably got a similar thing to go to Juve and he's got all the traits to go and give them what they were missing. Like, mm, yeah. yeah, he you was know, good for PSG last year. Like, yeah. I think he went on loan there. He was, he was impressive. Um, I think he will be good. And he can be settled but... again. So yeah, that gave me that just be like, actually, no. Yeah. If he actually can produce some good form and I think Juve do get the title back, but I think this is a really open league. I think that's the, probably the most exciting thing about it. I, I I'm really hot on Serie A just in general. Like it, it's, it's been so much fun to watch straight like off the bat. Like obviously it's had the most goals, but like more than that, it's been inc- like incredibly entertaining matchups. And you spoke about Roma Fiorentina there as an opening kind of weekend game. It was absolutely chaotic from start to finish. And I love that. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of chaos. I just have a funny feeling. I have a funny feeling and I believe in, I believe in my own funny feelings because they always do me well. I'm really good at predictions famously. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I've gone for it. You know what? Sometimes you've got to take a risk. This is my risk. This is the new balance thing with me saying athletic club are coming fifth. You've gone all out back to Roma to win the league. It's all on kits. You've done it on kits. Sometimes you've got to back your source, right? Like, and, and this mm. is me believing it. Look, if, if it was on kits, I think, I think we'd also, Inter would be above Juve. So it was, um, mm. it's not just all on kits, but it, back, but it might be. I mean, look, you've the gone, there's a couple of things. Okay, go on, Desam. Yeah, back on the Juve thing. I mean, look, if, if Moise can, 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 can turn out and can, and, can, and can prove himself finally and get that opportunity, great. But the loving for me and for is for Allegri. It's for Allegri sort of rekindling that magic inside Paolo Dybala. It's about this back line that's been there for centuries, but just last summer proved that it's still absolutely top tier. And Locatelli being added to that midfield. There's, there's a lot of reasons for me to be very, very positive about Juventus. Allegri is one, but what he actually means for several players now stepping into a new season, players that massively underperformed last season, and that mm-hmm. will just remind everyone just how good they are this time around. All right, hasn't started great, but take a little while to shake that rust off, I think. But yeah, big believer in Juve. And with, with Inter signing Correa, I, I felt like I had to put them top because Correa and Lautaro keeping hold of him with that midfield still intact, with Italy's best defence from last season still untouched. It's difficult to get away from that. And Simone Inzaghi is a, a very good manager. He's about as, as good as they could have possibly done post Antonio Conte. So... In terms of fighting fires, I have to applaud Inter. I think they've done a magnificent job of making something out of what could have been an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. But I mean, you've, you've got Juventus top. So, yeah, mate. Here's, you know, you, you just said, I thought I had to put Inter top and then didn't. Um, I mean, look, I just, I'm just wary. Like, I know that I, I think Moise Ken is a wonderful player and I know that Dybala will do more than he did last year. But they came second last year and they've just lost 29 goals in the league in the shape of Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Um, I'm not sure where they're coming back from. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't think I don't think that Moise Ken is going to score 29 goals in the league. Um, I don't think Chiesa is going to step up. I, I think he will step up and be the guy for for Juventus this time. Um, I think he will be the, the you know the important the player, the guy, the guy. He's the Juventus guy. this year. But with all that said, I, I don't know if that on on its own is enough to turn the tide. And and look, I think we're putting a lot of stock in in Allegri, rightfully so, because he worked such wonders last time round. Yes, it wasn't pretty, but yes, he got the job done. And we've spoken to a lot of Juventus fans who were like, I wanted him gone because I was so bored. But now, obviously, I just want that winning mentality back. And I get it. But he's been out of the game for a little while. You know, things move on. Things change. I'm I'm just intrigued to see if if, if everything is quite as rosy as perhaps we thought it might be straight away. And uh, interesting that you, you left all of all, all of that at Allegri and then you were sat there backing Jose Mourinho to win the league. Yeah, <laughs> loves, loves <laughs> Italy. 2015, Mourinho's last league title. So let's remember Look, that. It's all good. Look how much money um, United have spent since Mourinho left and how many trophies have they won since Mourinho left. Nought. My man wins trophies. But you go on there about Ronaldo and missing his goals. But then on the flip of that, hasn't everybody been criticising Juve and Ronaldo before he's left, saying that they've been catering for him and that it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily his number of goals that was so important. It was that he was upsetting the balance of the team and that the players around him who were supposed to be emerging weren't able to do that because he was there blocking that pathway. So now that he's gone, I'm thinking, well, people should now be more optimistic then about Juve. If he was part of this big problem, now he's gone, surely people should say, oh, OK, Juve will win the league now then, especially if they brought in a replacement striker. I read a thing saying, uh, talking about this yesterday, and it was a tweet from right back of the thing that's saying, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Ronaldo has finished after they lost to Porto in the Champions League. And it was one of the most nonsense statements I've ever heard. This man has scored goals wherever he's gone. And I, I do think there's legitimacy in the argument that other players don't play to their full potential when you have a star of that magnitude who demands a certain type of service in a way, right? That he, that he didn't, you know, at, at Real Madrid created his own chances a lot of the time. You know, it was, it was, it was a, he was a builder, he was a creator as well as a finisher. I think by the time we got to Juventus, we have to accept he's a different player to what he was at Real Madrid. It doesn't mean he's any worse. It just means he's a different player and his goal scoring ability is still absolutely unquestioned. I think there is a scope here for other players to emerge from that shadow when he's not there. But I also do think that kind of thing takes time. You don't just immediately be like, well, hey, I'm the best player in the world overnight. You know, those things take a while to kick in. And if they take a while to kick in while a lot of other teams are steaming through the league and Juventus is stuttering, then it's going to be a long season. And we saw PSG start badly last year, right? They never caught up. They never caught up. And I just worry that if it's going to take a little bit of time for Juventus to get to the place where they need to be, they just might not have the edge enough to, to, to top the league again. That's where I'm at. I think that's completely fair. I don't think there is a there is a, a team that you can pick here in Italy for number one that everyone could be like, yep. Like we've already said, it's so open, and this is the reason why you can make really good arguments for and against three of the four, three or four teams to win this title. Yeah, um, and none of us have into there who might just retain their title. We'll be like, <laughs> oh, we'll yeah. just be there, like ah, haha, yeah, that one, that was good. Um, before we move on, I just want to talk about Lazio quickly. You've got them in third, DJ. Sam, you have them in fifth. It's been a good start for Lazio as well. They've been they've looked very pretty under Sarri. They have, yeah. It's uh, it's quite intoxicating, isn't it? At its best, Sarri ball. Um, and I'm very invested in this one. I think uh, Luis Alberto, Sergei Milinkovic, Savic, and a Felipe Anderson reclamation season is something that we can all get behind. And 
yeah, Sarri and Serie A with his style of play, it just works. We know that. And they've already started racking up these goals. Uh, it's quite special to watch in full flow. And Lazio are a very good side with a very good manager. So I put them in fifth. Um, again, it, it feels pretty tight up there, but um, definitely, definitely, definitely one to watch for the neutrals if you can catch hold of a couple of games here and there. And Dean, you left Atlanta out of your five. That's a big call. I'll just wind you two up, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it was like, do I put in Atalanta or Roma? And I thought, well, this will annoy him. And it did. It didn't annoy me. You got Roma in there. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had them top and you two wouldn't have had them in your fives, which have been quite the statement move, I think. Dean's probably just had a nice dinner with Andrea Agnelli and as a result has just left Atalanta out of his top Hates five. Hates Atalanta. You know? Look, yeah. uh, t- it was nice that they finally signed Dan Gutmeiners because uh, as far as I was concerned, they signed him in May. Um, yeah. So it was, it was nice to see that one finally get over the line. Um, you know, And I told you so. I told you, Sarn. I said that yeah, no, signing, yeah. basically told you that signing was in the back. Back, um, and therefore it was. Uh, it was always going to get. It was always going to get done, wasn't it? It was always going to get done. Um, and with that, let's go to Germany, Sam, and you can start us off. Okay, Germany in at number five. I'm going to take Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm. Definitely influenced by their perfect start, nine points yeah. from nine. Definitely. Um, uh, number four, I'm going to put Bayer Leverkusen. At three, I'm going to take RB Leipzig, who I think are edged to number two by Borussia Dortmund. We can get into that. Uh, number one, look, I'm not the biggest believer in the strength at the top of German football this season. I really am not, but I still don't see anybody that can actually beat Bayern over the uh, shape of for 34 games. So I'd take Bayern at number one. How boring is that? Mm. And so very similar to my five. Dean, go on. Well, it's the same as my five, so I don't even need to read mine out. Mine is exactly the same. I've actually gone Frankfurt in five, which is the big change. Um, Leverkusen in four, same as you two. Um, but I've got Leipzig above Dortmund. I've got Leipzig in two, Dortmund in three, uh, and Bayern winning the league. So I suppose there's little changes there, but not not major ones. Um, Frankfurt uh, as ahead of Wolfsburg is, is a pretty safe gamble, I think, at, at this point. But I suppose the big, big question here is Leipzig and Dortmund, right? I've gone, I've gone the other way around to you two, but that's the, you've, you've gone for a change from last season's scenery. Yeah, I, I certainly have. I mean, look, I think Leipzig have, have had a good window, um, a good window if you're playing football manager. And there is an element of squad building that requires, um, you know, you need to take a look at that, that, that age profile of a squad and you need to make sure that you have enough kind of veterans and experience in it. I know it's cliche to hell and I know it's boring to listen to and you don't want to hear it, but this is an incredibly young Leipzig squad now. And what we've seen happen over the summer is Marcel Sabitzer, who is one of their elder statesmen, their veterans, has gone to Bayern, which doesn't help at all. And their two best centre-backs have left. Now, the work they've done in the market to replenish this young talent, you know, looking at like Bardial and Simakan and, you know, picking up players like Mariba, like I'm all for it. And it's great. It's, it's brilliant work. It's brilliant work. But this, is, this, this squad is incredibly young now. It really is. And they've lost their manager too. So... They're changing things. They're changing. They're changing the way they play. They're changing formation. They're changing systems to an extent. I know it's still a, a Red Bull coach, but everyone has their intricacies and nuances. I just think that this is a team that will probably draw or lose a couple more games than you think they will, or they'll draw a couple or lose a games that you're like, how did they not win that one? And it will basically come down to inconsistencies, which are rooted in youth. So that's where I've got. I've ended up with them in third, which is still. Still third, um, but that's why I've decided to give Dortmund the edge. 
Okay. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I, I just think that, especially with, with with some of these players here coming through, and and Jesse Marsh getting hold of some of his old guns from Salzburg again, and mm. uh, I, I have plenty of faith in Jesse as a coach. Is it, basically where I'm at here. Like, I think Marco Rosa is a good manager. Um, in fact, I think he's a very very good manager. That's a, that's doing him a, a, a serious disservice. I think he's a very very good manager. Um, but I like what Jesse's doing. I think that this Leipzig side are going to go back to a being a little bit more Rangnick esque. I think that we're going to see a higher press. I think we're going to see more energy. I think it's going to be a little bit less ball focused than perhaps it was under Nagelsmann, who I think tried to shift the intricacies of the Red Bull model a little bit towards more possession heavy stuff. Um, I, I think we won't see that with Jesse. I think we're going to see a return to that hard running, counter attacking, very, very kind of quick transitional football um, and and that's what I'm I'm excited about I think this young team I agree with you and I completely share your concerns that there's not that much experience kicking around here apart from old Willie Orban you know just anchoring <laughs> the side Galashi and Orban anchoring the side the Hungarian the Hungarian boys I'm excited <laughs> about Sobastai being given the opportunity to replace Sabitzer in the middle there I think this is his moment to stand up and shine um, we've talked about him so much on this podcast, but I think he has the potential to be right, right at the top of this game. Um, you know, one of the the really elite tier midfielders that we see over the next 10 years. And I think this is the start of that for him. And just some of these players that are coming through that I'm just excited about seeing. And and, and I reckon that this Leipzig side just about will have the kind of dynamic edge on a Dortmund side who I think might struggle when they're faced with you know, difficult, well, like we say, if Haaland doesn't score, Dortmund don't win. <laughs> and there are going to be games, not many, trust me, not many, but there are <laughs> going to be the occasional game where Erling Haaland doesn't score. And that is going to, I think, just be the difference between a side that is a little bit more, well, spread out in, in how they how they create goals to one that relies so heavily on a player, even a player of that quality, but but a single player. Yeah. I mean, look, we've already seen it this season. He, he didn't score against uh, Bayern in the Super Cup and they lost 3-1 and um, he didn't score against Freiburg and they lost 2-1. And then in the last time out, Dortmund beat Hoffenheim 3-2, but that's because Holland scored a last-minute winner. So the, it literally is like their season is hinging on this guy. And last season, we spent the entire season talking about how flaky they were and how you just could never rely on them to put together a run of form and, and back them to do well. And, you know, over five games already this season, you've seen that. To be honest, like we're making these predictions right now, it'd been a lot easier if we were doing it next week, to be honest, because when you look at the, the fixtures for Bundesliga for this weekend, like we, we're going to get a much better idea on Saturday how things are going to fare and how these teams are matched because it's Bayer Leverkusen against Borussia Dortmund on Saturday afternoon and then uh, later on like early evening it, uh, in Europe it's Leipzig against Bayern Munich so we're going to get a much clearer vision I guess of like how these teams match up um, you know whether if Bayern go and beat Leipzig um, in that game then you're kind of like convincingly particularly then you're like okay well we're not going to get much of a, a battle at the top here and then similarly like Dortmund and Leverkusen like Leverkusen could definitely have the potential to like upset the established the, order yeah basically and I, and I think that that's what they'll see that as an opportunity to do um I guess look I've just seen that um that clip that's going on a social media of Holland's volley during the international break where he hits a ball harder than any man has ever managed before. So if he's going to be hitting them like that, they've got absolutely no chance. <laughs> As you say, it's it's Holland or nothing. And it, it's ridiculous because 
yeah, the amount of talent around this, yeah. Yeah, the talent around him is obviously like deserves more respect than that. And they have got a very, very strong team, but they don't often live up to it. And obviously they've got a new coach who's still trying to figure things out. Yeah, they're mm. trying to adapt, aren't they, to, into this Marco Rosa kind of... To be fair, everybody has shape. a new coach. Literally yeah, do, everyone yeah. has a new coach. So it's yeah. kind of just like you have to accept it, I think, is one of those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Dortmund, are, they're trying to take to this new shape and how long it takes or, or how long Marco Rosa's willing to give it, I think obviously will determine a lot for their season. But the good news for them, as we've said, is while they're trying to adapt to that, they do have this 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 guy up front who can just go bang, bang and just win you a game, even if it's not quite perfect all the way back. So yeah, we'll see. But I have a lot of faith in Rosa to get it right as well. So him plus Haaland, contrasting against that Leipzig, that, that the youth of that Leipzig squad. Although I must give a quick shout out to the fact that they signed Andre Silva, which is a, a magnificent signing. Absolutely magnificent. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's where I've got the edge. Okay, fair enough. I mean, the other the other toss up is is Wolfsburg versus Frankfurt in in fifth, but I think this is a case of Wolfsburg have had the better start, and I completely appreciate that you, you've gone there. I don't trust Van Bommel and an absolute no. jot. Um, oh, they sold. They I, got rid of Josip Brekelo. Yeah, that's that should be a fireable offence. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Frankfurt to started Torino on loan. What are you doing? Mm. Frankfurt started awfully, um, but yeah. I'm still sticking him in here because I just have a fair bit of faith that Oliver Glasner is going to sort this out. Mm. Um, again, not the not the nicest coach in the world by all accounts. Uh, one a, a particularly <laughs> abrasive man, but he does get results, and I think he will get results with this Frankfurt team once he gets them playing the way he wants to. And he's got Jens Petter Horger, so you know the truth is going to shine. The truth will out, as they say. Truth will out, um, and I, I believe that will take Frankfurt to fifth. Um, <laughs> Which takes us to our final league, which is France. And I hand it to you, Sam. Okay, number five, I am going to take Lyon. Hmm. Uh, number four, I'm going to take the explosive Marseille. Although, to be fair, they could finish anywhere between second and 18th, and you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, number three, I'm going to take Nice. Number two is Monaco. And number one, can you believe it, is PSG. Yes, very reasonable. Dean? Uh, fifth Nice, fourth Marseille, third Monaco, second Lyon, Whoa. and top PSG. That's a big shout getting Lyon in at two. Um, well, I... I'll explain my reasoning in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to go for another rogue one in at five, just because why not? I'm putting Angers in there, the most fun side to watch in the entirety of world football right now. Um, I, I, I don't care what you say. This front three of Cho, Fulgini and Bufal is genuinely like the best thing in the entire world. They are so much fun. And watching them tear Leon a new one the other week in complete control. Um, I've just a little bit of faith that this is maybe more than a flash in the pan. They've got the old Leon assistant manager as head coach. Um, they have a very settled side here and Fulgini stayed basically when everyone expected him to go. Um, and I think this, this Angers side are going to cause uh, quite a few flashes in the pan uh, this year in terms of shock results. Uh, I, I fancy them to, to squeeze in and get fifth. At four, I have Marseille. Three, I have Monaco. Two, I have Nice. And one, I have Paris Saint-Germain. Um, so, Dean, we'll start with you. Leon at two, I think, is probably the second biggest shout between I'm putting Angers in here. But yeah, well, full disclosure here. I don't watch a lot of French football. I only watch PSG on a weekly basis. So what I did is I turned to what the bookies think. And this is the exact order in which they predict the league will finish. 
That's that's Classic. it. I do worry about you sometimes. I really do. Why? That is that if if you haven't got any actual reasoning, and I don't want to, I don't want to do our our listeners in the injustice of me sitting here making up reasons why I think they're going to finish second. When the actual truth is, this is what the bookies expect. So that's good enough for me. Hmm. This okay. is my prediction I'm, for the season. I'll, I'll, why not I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you why the bookies have them in second. It's because of. It's because of the squad. You actually take a look through this squad and just take yourself away from the fact that they've been a bit up and down recently. They've got Hussam Awa, they've got Bruno Guimaraes, they've got Lucas Paqueta, and Moussa Dembele is back and he's on the goal trail already this season. Then you've got Anthony Lopes in goal, Dubois right back, you've got Kakare in midfield. The more you go down the squad, the more you pick out the names, you're like, there's it's a, ludicrous lot, of, to this there side. Is a <laughs> lot of talent here. There is more talent in this team individually on paper than there is in probably any of these sides other than PSG, in my opinion. Now, it doesn't always go like that. Obviously, I've got them in fifth, and that speaks to that. That's not how football works. But I'm not necessarily surprised that that's where the bookies have got Leon, because look at those names. They are very, very good players. I don't even have Leon in my five. I think Petr Bosch is going to be sacked before Christmas. Um, And then someone comes in and leads them to second. Well, who? <laughs> like that's that's, that's my it's not question. for me to answer, mate. It's not yeah, for me to answer. I, I don't know. I think I think Leon have have sold themselves a wee bit short here. Um, and and I I just think that having watched them in the first couple of games, they are disjointed. Now I know we've said this about various teams about various leagues that you can't really look at it but I am worried about Leon. they are not playing well they are they don't look anywhere near sharp enough they don't look anywhere like they have a kind of clue on how they want the manager to, to have them playing yes there's a lot of star names in here I don't know if Awa's going to play um, because why wouldn't he play well, we haven't seen much of him and he basically demanded to leave. Um, but, he, but the transfer window's finished and he didn't leave. Well, the, the Turkish window's still open. The Turkish window's still open. for three months? Mate, maybe he's just going to go to Turkey. That's, uh, <laughs> that's all we'll see. We'll, um, we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel like anywhere near a United squad. And that worries me. Um, I, I think there's a, there's problems with this Leon side and I think they're going to struggle. Um, I suppose the next one, Sam, is that you and I have Nice and Monaco in reverse order, which is probably relatively, um, this is relatively close, I think, how it, how it pans out. But you have Monaco in second. Yeah, it's difficult to split, isn't it? A lot of a lot of appreciation for for Gaultier uh, and what he's able to do. Obviously, he won the league last season with Lille, so um, they were absolutely guaranteed a top three spot for me. He's taken over a really interesting project with Nice. There's a lot of young players in there again. Um, I think the actual overall quality of Monaco's squad is better, and they haven't started particularly well this season either. Although they've been clearly prioritising the Champions League, which they actually failed to get into anyway. Um, but as soon as they basically started playing their first team in Liga, they won. And I reckon that's going to be a relatively regular feature. They've got some amazing players. They've got Ben Yedder and Voland up front dovetailing. Jelson Martins on the right is amazing. Chouameni is well worth your attention as potentially one of the, the rising sort of star number sixes in the game. Yeah, there's a lot to like in Monaco. A lot to like indeed. And they are also a young team. So I did find this genuinely a little bit difficult to, to judge. I just went for Monaco. I guess not quite flip of the coin, but I think I like their players a bit more. I think that's probably the, the, the key denominator. I, I do strongly believe these will be two or three either way. Yeah, no, I agree. I just I, I got to where Nice were, and in their you know the two games where they absolutely hammered Lille in the Galtier derby, um, and then they played Bordeaux and won very comfortably. Obviously, sandwiched between them is that bizarre game against Marseille where the crowd invaded the pitch and it all went mm. a bit 
Pete Tong. Um, but like, you know, on the whole, this midfield duo of Rosario and Lamina, I love. The fact that Clivert's there, I'm, I'm hugely onto. Dante and Tadebo in terms of a young defender and someone with experience to kind of get, to kind of, uh, guide him through it's a partnership I really really like Melvin Bard's obviously come in now finally and is starting on that left side Walter Benitez in goal the Argentine I, I basically just like the balance of this side as a whole um, and I think that with Gartier in charge who's obviously got so much well he's got so much uh, backstory for, for bringing through youngsters he's got obviously the title in the bag from last year I just see them pipping Monaco so that's where I'm at on, on Nice I'd back Gaultier over Kovacs every day of the week. That's that's not in question. So yeah, not a nice tight one there. But Marseille I found very difficult because when they're good, oh my goodness me, they are wonderful. And you need to be able to try and separate amazing to watch from will do very well in the table, right? Because they obviously don't always, they're not always compatible with Marseille. That's like, San Paoli's Marseille is like the ultimate litmus test of that. Um, the the first three weeks have been utter, utter carnage. So I just I just couldn't back them to be in here above Monaco and Nice. But I really felt they needed to be in the top four because when they're good, oh, they're good. Oh, they're very good. They're very enjoyable on the whole, aren't they? Very, very enjoyable. Right. That means that we have covered the top five in each of Europe's top five leagues. That is your five by five complete. We'd love to see yours. So if you do fancy, send them in to us at Rank Squad on Twitter, at Rank.Squad on Instagram, or use the hashtag RanksFC, and we will take a look at them and share some of the best ones. We'll be sharing our ones on social as well over the course of it. And we'll, we'll come back to them, see if anyone uh, nails it, if anyone nails it correctly is there a prize maybe like if uh, we could say that if you get all of them correct dean jones will give you a nice smile i will do more than that i will uh, send you my only um ranks fc shirt i've only got one so you can have that if you get all of these if you get all of your predictions right i will send you my my rank squad shirt it's a, it seems like a reasonable bet from where I'm sitting at. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll sort a prize. If you, if you nail a league, if you nail any league, you get all five in the right order. We'll, uh, we'll sort out a prize. If you nail all five leagues, um, you, you can basically... You can come on the show and host on, it for a season. You can take my spot on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> consider where we're at. Right after the break, we're going to be in Men of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for my favourite part of the week. And Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is FIFA's Chief of Global Football Development, Arsene Wenger. Mm. <laughs> Arsene Wenger. Right. Let's have a word with you, mate. Um, oh, this annoys me. So is part of his new job. He's now um, leading a consultation among figures in football about holding the World Cup every two years. No, no, we don't want this. Like This was proposed by the Saudi Arabian Football Federation a few months back, and we don't want it. We don't want it, mate. And you wouldn't have wanted it either. If you were still manager of Arsenal, do you think you'd have wanted a World Cup every two years? No, you wouldn't. Um, I know as part of this, like they're talking about this idea of having two windows within a season where that's when your international blocks are and like you play more games than that. that that's fine. I understand the reasoning behind that so the seasons aren't as broken up and things like that. But I don't want a World Cup every two years. Like The beauty of having it every four years is that when you get a game like I don't know, England v Argentina, it's happening 
not, not even every four years because you don't play them. So right, you might wait eight years till the next time you play like a rival like Argentina. And then that occasion means so much more. And you don't want to be playing teams like that. Like how we've just talked about the other day. Um, it's the Super England League play, thing, isn't it? That's what? It's a Super League thing. These games lose yeah. their value if you get them twice exactly a year that. in the same stadiums. Exactly that. People say that they're sick of seeing England play against Andorra. Well, you'll become equally as sick of playing, seeing England play the best nations if you're playing against them all the time. And Jackie also wants to scrap the Nations League, it sounds like to me. Yeah, so that's, 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 the big, that's the big problem. That's the big problem for me. I just think like the whole point of a World Cup is it's a festival of football, right? It's about, you know, that love. And I appreciate the fact that, that there's kind of trying to bring it to more people and trying to, to, to open it up so that more teams qualify, et cetera, et cetera. And look, I know there's a lot of people who are really, really against the 48-team World Cup. I can understand that. I'm not completely and utterly in one camp over that. I think that more teams getting to go to the World Cup and experience what it's about and sharing that feast of football is maybe a good thing. I don't like the setup with the way that there are three three teams in a group and two of them qualify. I think that's a mm. bit ridiculous. But on the whole, you know, I think that there is something to be said for the fact that the more teams getting to to be part of a World Cup and maybe a 64-team World Cup where it goes back to four groups of four and there's just more of them is the answer to that to that problem. But, and again, that's a, that's a story for another day. I just think that the kind of rarity of these moments and it's exactly with what it was with the Super League, like the fact that you get these notes on a Champions League night and they're special and they're, they, they don't happen that often and you, they only come around every so often, especially if you're not a team that qualifies all the time, is, is what gives them their value and what gives them those memories and you know, I harken back to Fulham qualifying for the Europa League and talking about that and those memories that we made traveling around Europe, you know, the one time that in my lifetime, really, that, that Fulham have been able to do that. That's what made that so special and so incredible mm. for us. Um, and I think just making things more, or just continuing to, to make things more regular doesn't always mean that they're worth more. I appreciate that there are arguments for, for making sure that more people can do more things regularly. But, I mean, where does yeah. it leave the Euros? Where does it leave the African Cup of Nations? Where does yeah. it leave the Gold Cup? These are all tournaments that I love. Where does it leave the Copa America? You know, these yeah. are tournaments that I love and love watching. And they, they say it will raise fun. the standard of the game. And I'm like, I don't know if how it will. Much higher, how much higher can we get from where we are right now in terms of the standard of the game? Like, it's fine. Like, we're all perfectly happy with this brilliant football that we're seeing already. Yeah. Also, it, how how does it raise the standard of the game? Like, I, I don't, I yeah, don't because, get that either. Because less, like, less sure the lesser nations can't improve yeah. <laughs> than the, the other ones can, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if this were to happen, you'd have a Euros, then a World Cup. Then a year, then a, what? A every summer, year there'll be a competition. It, it every year there'll be a competition. To, so, so you'd Alexis Sanchez the hell out of every player. He'd have to play. Yeah. Every player would have to play a, a continental competition, intercontinental competition, every summer for eight years in a row. Their careers would, have would last. Hated it as a manager, wouldn't they? Their, their careers, players' careers will will last much shorter if this happens. They can't do yeah. this. Yeah, hopefully it falls on deaf ears. I think uh, Michael Owen and John Terry are two of the people that he's he's got to speak to. So hopefully those two... Um, Owen won't like this. About. He doesn't want to watch any more TV than he has to. Yeah, Owen, hates, <laughs> Owen hates watching football. This is part of his... It's kind of part of his shtick, isn't it? Like, he doesn't actually like watching like, football. Are you winding me up, mate? Every two years. Why don't we do it every ten? Yeah, exactly. What about, yeah, every eight, every eight. Um, <laughs> let's get it on the flip. Just put right. my goal against Argentina on a few times. Exactly. <laughs> That's the gibberish Ooh, alarm, um, which one. means that it's time for you to take over the mantle again, DJ. Yep, Sam hasn't done his gibberish ranking again. 
Um, so it's becoming a little bit constant. This I've done a couple of weeks in a row. A couple being the imperative word. A couple is two. Um, yeah, I've come up with a late ranking, and I thought, what's, what's going on in my life? Well, I'm going back to America soon, aren't I, lads? So I haven't been to um, America at all for almost two years now, and in a couple of weeks. I'm off uh, to Southern California. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to rank the three things I've missed most about Southern California. Um, sorry, right. What have I missed the most? Number three, I've, wished, I've missed watching the local news. The local news in LA is different class. <laughs> Absolutely different class. Because here, the news is so boring in England. Like, you get no actual, like, insight, no no good footage of, like, they'll tell you there's been a crash or there's been an incident. You don't actually see any of it. Well, in America, you see the whole lot. I remember like, when we took Dylan for the first time, he, like, woke up at about 2 in the morning on our first night and had jet lag. He was awake for about two hours. So we stuck the TV on in the hotel room, watched a live car chase through the, through the streets of L.A. for two hours until he was caught. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> and then you're getting in. I don't know if you've seen the documentary on Netflix, Shot in the Dark. I think I've talked about it before. But there's, like, a whole living freelance um, photographers and stringers and cameramen make of just chasing crime scenes around LA at night and they'll turn up at like fires or like major accidents and you'll get them like getting in there sometimes they're on the scene before the police or the ambulances because they're tuned in to their radio services and they're like there on the scene with a camera like filming a murder or like filming somebody that's like i don't know been hit by a truck or like been a major car wreck and in the in the news they'll show it all they'll show you someone being pulled out the wreckage absolutely different class it is and i'm really <laughs> looking forward to just spending a couple of weeks watching the local your news. twist you're twisted that's but quite anyway. morbid dino that is quite macabre well it's just mate i i need some excitement in life how long we've we been locked down and i've been had these two kids to entertain yeah, very. True. All I've been doing is watching Peppa Pig, mate. Yeah, Peppa Pig for two years is a lot. All we get on the news is PowerPoint presentations from our health minister about COVID numbers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to recall some of the stuff on my phone and send it to you too. You'll see what I mean. Excellent. Yeah. Right, what's in it too? Sunshine. <laughs> it's so oh hot, my. Dean. It's so today, hot today. <laughs> today is a really nice day. June, July, and August was rubbish in England. Yeah. Like, yeah. absolutely. It started off quite bright in, like, April. It was like, oh, this could be quite a nice, like, summer. Could have a six-month stretch here. No, it ended before it had even begun officially. Um, so where else to go for sunshine and, and beaches um, than, than Southern California? And, like, yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, I say this, it's probably going to rain for two weeks, and it never does. But if ever, ever you're looking for some reliable sun, then, then I'm heading to the right place. So I'm excited to just know that all I need is shorts and t-shirts and that, that's happy days that would okay. be nice that is nice if you Number like the one. sun I actually don't like the sun so that, that um, oh the newspaper God. or the, uh, the the big orb in the sun in the sky um, I basically <laughs> I, I just don't like don't deal very well with the heat I, I'm not particularly uh, well this is the other thing though because, because like, in this part like say where I'm going in, in Newport like it doesn't get that hot either it's, it's a bit, it'll be like in American terms like mid 70s like in fahrenheit like that's the kind of temperature you're getting that's fine it's not it's really like 90 so i, I i'm gonna need that in, i'm gonna need that in celsius or i have no I idea what you're it. talking about i don't know um, it's like but, 19 or 20 or something like that okay yeah that is all right it is right in mid 20s is too hot but but yeah uh, uh, early, 20s like is, early 20s okay i can live with that yeah, all right cool exactly. 
Fair enough. You sold me. What's in at number one? California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> oh my God, I've missed that place. People who live there don't even really like it. I think they look down on it like it's Pizza Express or something like that. And it probably is to them. The Pizza Express is class. I'm not having any I mean, I love Pizza Express. Yeah. Um, don't need to, obviously, don't need to win me over on that one. But <laughs> CPK, yeah, I've missed this. I was thinking, like, what have I missed most? Have I missed Taylor's family? Our friends. No. The thing I've missed most about America is California Pizza Kitchen and getting that pizza, <laughs> dipping it in the ranch, having a nice beer with it. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most, lads. Get me I there. was going to ask if you were going to talk about ranch sauce here, but you, you've, <laughs> yeah, already, you've, already gone for, you've already gone for it open doors. I didn't even need yeah, to ask. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'm not sure. Can you bring a bottle we... back for us? Yeah, I will. Yeah. We did we, try it. Do you remember? We did in, try it. It was uh, nice. I you can actually I, get, there is a ranch you can you can get in the uk now which actually is pretty good but i'll bring you back a legit one a legit yeah um, i want a legit american bottle so i can give yeah, it yeah i'll get our friend to tell me which the best one is to buy and and I'll, and I'll bring that back for you and we'll go out for a pizza one day after after a shift and uh we'll go we'll maybe we'll we'll take our, our own at, sauce yeah one year anniversary <laughs> one year anniversary what did you do we went from we took our own sauce to a pizza shop oh my god um, we actually can do it for our one year anniversary of ranks fc let's do yeah. that that's exactly what we do. We're do, you know, do you know, in, in two but in two weeks in America, how many times do you think you're going to visit CPK? Ah, uh, not as many as I'd like. I reckon I'll get there three times. Um, <laughs> that's that a, good a lot. That's a good bar. That's not. Set. That's not bad. I'll, I'll aim for four, but if I hit three, I'll be happy. You'll be happy enough. Happy yeah. enough. Right. Well, thank you very much, Dean. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how these things pan out. Looking forward to seeing the uh, the shots of uh, the news channels. I was going to say LAFC of- as well, by the way, but then I decided to keep it unfootball related. But yeah, I am excited to go back to Bank of California Stadium and see LAFC, even though they're not actually very good anymore. Um, yeah. Still be buzzing to be back there. Any uh, well, any anyone who's in the the LA area and wants to see Dean at an LAFC game, hit him up on Twitter or Instagram, yeah. and you'll be able to go yeah. and join him. Rank squad, he'd love to see the rank squad. You make him a sign, and he can take a picture with it. It'd be great. Mm, um, this is what Dean, it's what Dean loves more than anything else. So, um, so that's going to be exciting. Uh, right, <laughs> and on that bombshell, I think we're going to call this a day, boys. All that's left for me to do is say thank you very much, Sam Tsai. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much, Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening. Do send in your five by fives and we'll have a look at them. There is going to be prizes. We will set up some competitions and uh, and we will actually make some decent prizes. So that's, that's exciting. And we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Take it easy. Peace.